Hi, I'm Tim. I've got the uh, privilege of serving as one of the elders at the New Life Community Church. Married to Karen. Hello, Karen, give us a wave. Uh, we've got um, two lovely sons, fine young men. And through them, we've gained two lovely daughters-in-law, fine young women. And uh, through them, we've gained two super grandsons who are a great, great delight to us as well. So I, um, I helped um, plant the church in Fordingbridge with uh, Kane. You'll know Kane and Lynn. Been along before. That was uh, some, oh, I don't know, 15 or more years ago. Shudder to think, really. And it's been a great joy, I think, for, for Kane and I to um, see Paul and Dale um, kind of, uh, you know, grow up really and, and mature and come into to leadership and go on really to do uh, greater things than us, I think. Um, it seems to feel like that. They're, um, they're on holiday these days, so uh, Paul, and, and Paul with his family and uh, Dale with his family, they're both off on holiday, so... Um, so think about them. It is holiday season, so I'm conscious that, you know, there's, uh, we end up being a bit thin on the ground, don't we? Some gaps in the fellowship. So, um, but, it, you know, it's nice for folk to get out and have a break, I think. Um, I'm involved in um, planting out again into Downton. Um, so uh, along with Dale, we've got a, a um, contingent that uh, the church that are living in Downton in the surrounding areas. If you're off to uh, the picnic next week at Roger and Gales, there two of that Downton group um, up at Red Lynch. So, um, yes, yeah, a kind of full circle for me. So it's great fun to be doing it all again. Um, and just to also just to say, you know, um, please feel very free to, um, you know, to get along. Um, if you're in Fallingbridge or you want something, you know, you just want to change the senior or whatever, feel very free to, to join us on the Sunday morning in Fallingbridge. We've said the same to them, so you should find folk um, just just rolling in to be part of that one family that we're you know we're building together here. And that one family weekend, I think in August, be very significant. Um, there's an excellent keynote speaker on the Sunday, um, and I have it on good authority that uh, the subject is what on earth is God doing. So, uh, what on earth is God doing? So, if you, wanna, if you want some answers to that question, then uh, that's the message on that uh, One Church Sunday. Right, so let's get to the Word of God, because I, I feel, you know, the Father's got uh, something to speak to us and share with us this morning. I'm excited about it. You don't really have to read very far in uh, the Old Testament before you, you begin to get the distinct impression that God likes sheep. And he likes shepherds as well. Most of the, uh, the key people there in the Old Testament, or most perhaps is an exaggeration, but some of the key people there in the Old Testament are shepherds. So we've got Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Uh, you can probably recall that Abraham has to separate from his nephew Lot because they've got so many sheep and their flocks and herds. They haven't got enough pasture land, so they, they, they separate in order to do that. Isaac... Um, struggles with uh, wells to he digs wells and they keep getting taken from him and he's trying to water his flock and eventually ends up in Beersheba and that's where um, that's where all those wells are and all the and his flocks and herds increase and grow and then there's Jacob Jacob who spends seven years working for his brother-in-law um, for his bride Rachel only to find 
Now, the next morning, he wakes up next to the wrong woman. He wakes up next to Rachel's sister. So um, there's a lesson in that as well, not to get too drunk on your wedding day, isn't there? Um, and then he works another seven years for, for Rachel. And in the end, he's got you know, masses. He's, he's, he's rich and wealthy, really, in terms of the number of flocks and herds he's got, not to mention the uh, 12 sons from whom the 12 tribes of Israel descend. And Moses, of course, Moses spends 40 years, doesn't he, uh, growing up in Pharaoh's palace. But God has other ideas for him, and, and he has to spend 40 years looking after sheep in Midian scrubland before he's ready. And that is exactly what he's doing. He's looking after the sheep at Sinai. Um, when uh, he encounters God in the burning bush. That's what he's doing. He's looking after the sheep. And there's a great deal in, uh, in the Bible about um, looking back, you know, in the Psalms and in the prophets where they're looking back at those times where the Moses led um, the people of God through the desert. And uh, God speaks of the people as his flock, and as Moses, as the, the shepherd that he put in charge of them, or, or he speaks of himself as the shepherd that led them through the wilderness. So there's a, there's a lot there. And then, of course, there's David. David, the, the, uh, the, the eighth son of Jesse, very much, you know, the, the surplus to requirements. Seven sons is enough. I can't imagine what it's like to have seven sons. Um, but then there's David as well, who, you know, definitely the also ran and so on that day when Samuel the prophet comes and uh, you know there's this um, he's got this secret task to anoint the next king of Israel and God has told him go to Jesse it's one of his sons and he goes there and all these sons pass before him and God says no it's not and he, he turns to Jesse and he says well have you got any other sons and Jesse's like well, well there is David but I mean he's just out looking after the sheep and, of course, it's David who the Lord has chosen. It's the shepherd that he's chosen. And he brings him into kingship um, and royalty. And, you know, he shepherds the people of God. Samuel anoints him. We get into the New Testament. Well, um, you know, Christmas nativities would never be complete without shepherds, would they? You know, that's just, <laughs> that's just like shepherds and angels. You know, that's what it falls down to, doesn't it? So, yes, you know, the, the message... The good news is first revealed to the shepherds. But I want you to think about um, Peter. So Peter, if you recall, denies Jesus three times. Then there's the crucifixion and the resurrection. Peter hears about these things, but really Peter is a broken man. You know, he was, he was the great, you know, Lord, you know, I'm going to go to the ends of the earth for you. And, you know, he realizes his own inadequacy and his own brokenness. And then Jesus comes to recommission him and to restore him. And there's that great scene uh, where Peter's been out fishing on the, on the Lake of Galilee all night. And, and it's dawn. And there's this shadowy figure on, on, the, on the beach um, that's lit a fire. And uh, when, uh, when Peter gets to the shore, there's, there's fish and it's Jesus, and he's cooking them. Uh, uh, you know, they're getting a cooked breakfast, you know. Wouldn't be bacon and eggs, of course, you know, because they're Jewish. <laughs> have to be fish, wouldn't it, you know? But, uh, yeah, maybe the eggs are there as well, and there's this kind of, you know, awkward, nobody really 
quite knows what to say to one another. I can imagine Jesus, you know, frying the fish and the eggs. Sunny side up, Peter. And then Jesus kind of breaks the, the silence, doesn't he? And he says to him, by way of recommissioning, he says to him, Peter, do you love me? And Peter says, yes, Lord, I love you. And Jesus says to him, feed my sheep. And then he asks him a second time, and Peter repeats the second time. He says, tend my lambs. And he asks him a third time, and a third time, because he denied him three times, so he's recommissioned three times. But that recommissioning, I think, is just such a beautiful phrase. Feed my sheep, tend my lambs. So sheep and lambs, there's two different words there, sheep and lambs. Two different words there for tend and feed. Um, but they amount to the same thing. It just means feed my sheep. It means graze them, put them to pasture, lead them to pasture. That's what it means, shepherd my sheep. And, of course, that one word in the middle, my, they're the Lord's sheep. They're Jesus' sheep. They're not Peter's sheep or anybody else's sheep. He, he possesses them. He uses that possessive word, doesn't he? They're my sheep. And that's such a, a model, I think, for commissioning of uh, anybody, I think, in, in any kind of responsible position for the people of God. Feed my sheep, feed my sheep. It's a calling. He's recommissioned as a shepherd. Um, and so it's no surprise when um, Peter writes his own uh, book, 1 Peter 5, uh, verses 1 to 5, Peter says... Um, Therefore I exhort the elders among you as fellow elder and witness of the suffering of Christ and a partaker also of the glory that is to be revealed, shepherd the flock of God among you. That's what he says to the elders, shepherd the flock of God among you, exercising oversight, not under compulsion, but voluntarily according to the will of God and not for sordid gain, but with eagerness, nor yet as lording it over those allotted to your charge, but proving to be examples to the flock. And when the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the unfading crown of glory. So he's, so Peter there is describing the manner and the way in which um, the elders should be shepherding the flock of God, not with compulsion, nothing being forced, but voluntarily. So your leaders will be inviting you and uh, helping you to, you know, make some good choices, but, but not compelling you. Um, there should be a, a good deal of volition. Not lording it over you, but setting an example. Saying, do as I do. As, as Paul does when he writes, do as I do. Watch what I do and, and live like me. Which is uh, quite, a, quite a thing, really, so... Again, you know, we, we try to uh, live examples um, for you to follow, which means we end up being quite transparent and quite visible. And guess what? You see all of our imperfections because, you know, we are, because we are imperfect. So you will see all of that. So it's quite a, it's quite a humbling uh, work to do. Uh, know and be known. Uh, live our lives transparently before you. Uh, Paul in Ephesus, um, we read in Acts 20, when Paul is saying his final farewell to Ephesus, he, he knows uh, prophetically that he's about to go to Jerusalem and then he's going to end up you know, being taken into custody. 
And so he, he, he's saying to the, to the guys at Ephesus, this is, this is the kind of final message. Um, and he says to them, guard yourselves, guard the flock uh, over which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers, shepherd the church of God, which he purchased by his own blood. So you've got guard the flock, shepherd the church of God. He's definitely equating the flock with the church and, you know, guarding them um, is, a, you know, is a shepherding role. And then it's, it's clear as well whose sheep they are. It's the Lord Jesus' sheep, and he's paid a high price for those sheep, purchased with his own blood. So what's it like then to be a sheep, to be a sheep in the flock of God? What would be our experience of that? What should we expect from that? So let's turn then to Psalm 23. There's nowhere else to go, is there, on a subject like this? And spend a bit of time in this psalm. So Psalm 23, written by David, the shepherd, of course. So it starts with this phrase, the Lord is my shepherd. Now, in Hebrew, that's one word, hyphenated, I'll give you that, but it's one word. Yahweh Ra'ah, Yahweh Ra'ah, it's one word and it is a name of God, Yahweh, Jehovah, you know that's the name of God, that's the, we've already been to the burning bush where God reveals himself as the great I am, so that's, that's Yahweh, that's Jehovah, it's the same, it's the same word because um, in Hebrew you don't get the vowels, you just get the consonants, so you've just got four letters, Y-H-W-H, and depending on what vowels you put in, you can get Jehovah or Yahweh. So that's why these two things uh, equate to one another. I think, I think we started off with Jehovah, and then really um, after Israel became a nation again in the middle of the, well, you know, 1948, and Hebrew began to become a, a sort of regular spoken language our knowledge or understanding of it improved, and that's where this pronunciation of Yahweh began to, to creep in. So that's why you got the both there. So I'm going to go with Yahweh. Ra'ah means shepherd. So this is um, a revelation. The Lord, my shepherd. Yahweh, Ra'ah, the Lord, the shepherd. And it's an adoration, really, of the sheep to the shepherd. It's a mark of worship. It's a name. We've just been singing about that, haven't we? What a wonderful name. It's a name of God. And it says something really deep about his nature. So, and it says something that is permanent about his nature. Yahweh is the self-existent one, the ever-living one, the one from whom all other life proceeds, indeed the one from whom everything else proceeds. He is the self-existent one, and he supports everything else from him. And now we're learning something about his nature, his very nature and character is as a shepherd, which explains why God likes sheep, you see. <laughs> so under his shepherding care, so he says, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. I, when I was a child, I used to think, well, why are we saying we don't want him to be our shepherd then? That seems a bit funny, doesn't it? Well, it's not saying, of course, I don't want him. It's saying, I will not have want. I will not be in need. I will 
not suffer any lack. There will be no insufficiency with me and my life because the Lord is my shepherd. He will provide all that I need. That's what, that's what that's saying. That's saying he doesn't need anything. He is self-existent. God needs nothing. He's not contingent upon anything. God does not need. He does not need. He does not want. And now in, when, we're, when we're under his shepherding care, all that we need and all that we want is provided in him. So under his shepherding care, I'll want for nothing. I'll not suffer lack. He is feeding and caring and providing. And I want you to understand that's what he does. That's who he is. That is his nature, to feed and to sustain and to provide. And it defines an aspect of the nature of our relationship with him, that he will be providing, that he will be caring, that he will be nurturing towards us. I just really want you to understand that's who he is. You don't have to do something to secure that about him. That's who he is. Yahweh Ra'ah, the Lord my shepherd. And then look what we've got here. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He restores my soul. Great stuff, isn't it? Great stuff. Green pastures. I mean, that's inspired the name of many a Christian retreat, hasn't it? How many Christian retreats are called green pastures or something along that line? Or even churches called green pastures. I mean, that just speaks of nourishment and freshness, doesn't it? And life and lushness, you know, it's all, it's all there, isn't it? Lie down, you know, there's your rest and your peace and that unhurriedness, giving you time. How about that, lying down in green pastures? You'd see that of a sheep, wouldn't you? And know that sheep's happy. And then the still waters, the quiet waters, that peace and tranquility. I mean, how many of us, you know, when we're out and about, we go to a beauty spot and, you know, and, and there it is, the water just flowing past. We've got the stour here, haven't we? We've got the Avon over Falling Bridge just flowing past. And there's a, you can stand there, can't you, and see that clean, fresh water just continually flowing past that sense of, you know, this river's never going to dry up. It's always flowing. There's always freshness. There's always refreshment, peace and tranquility and cleansing and purity and safety, all there. And restores my soul. How about that, eh? I mean, these places like that do do that, don't they? They do restore us, you know. We lo- that's why we like them. That's why we call them beauty spots. But that sense of God, that's his nature, to restore, to heal, to affirm and strengthen, help you get your balance back. Just, you know, just bringing strength into that inner person there. Uh, hope for a broken spirit, that sense of, oh, you know, this is a place where I can recover. Now I'm in a position where I can be restored, renewed, put back together again. I mean, what other God is there like our God? You do get nothing like that, do you, in Hinduism or Islam? Islam, You don't get nothing like that, you know, Taoism. You know, 
But now we've got a God who is a shepherd who wants to nourish us and restore us and give us times of peace and tranquility. Fantastic, fantastic. And it goes on, doesn't it? He guides me in the paths of righteousness for, him, for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I fear no evil, you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. That whole, that whole sense of he leads me, he guides me. Do you know the leading of God in your life? As a Christian, you should do. As one of his sheep, you should do. You should know the leading of God in your life. You should know the presence, the indwelling presence of the Holy Spirit. Are you able to listen to that still, small voice and understand this is the right way to go? Walk in it. These are the right things to do. When you've got a choice, go this way. Go that way. Or sometimes it's, do you know what? You, you pick and I'll bless you whatever way you go. But do you know that leading and that presence, that continuous presence of the Spirit of God in your life? And the Word and the Spirit, of course, testify together, don't they? So you should be able to read the Scriptures and, and experience that leading and guiding, your shepherd speaking to you and leading and guiding you. That's how things should happen. And where is he going to lead you? Well, yes, the green pastures and, you know, the, the quiet waters those places of restoration, yes, but also look, even when the going gets tough, even when I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, you know, that's a, that, that phrase is a, used a little bit in Psalms, but mostly that phrase is in Job. So I kind of think of David here when he's writing this. He's already read the book of Job because it existed a long time before. So he's already familiar with the scriptures and is drawing, drawing phrases from the scriptures. So yeah, walk through the valley of the shadow of death. Dark times, difficult times, times of calamity. He's with you, isn't it? Maybe that's severe illness, maybe. Maybe it's grief. But you know what else it is? It's actually talking about your death. That he leads you at that moment. Where none of us, with the best will in the world, we cannot go with you. But you have a shepherd who will lead you even through that experience. Nobody else can do that. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I fear no evil. You are with me. That's why I fear no evil, because you are with me. Again, think about the sheep. When the shepherd's around, they should be secure. They should know that security. They should know they're in the right place at the right time, doing the right thing, because that's where the shepherd is. You need to know that security and that peace in your life as well. Be shepherded in that way. You should experience those things. You should expect that to be the experience. Rod and staff, they speak of uh, discipline. So a shepherd would use his rod and his staff. They'd use his rod just to, oi, come on, as a knock on the backside there to get in line, get on with it, get moving, join the rest of the flock. And you know the shepherd's staff's got like a hook around it. So that's we get around the neck and pull this blimmin' sheep out of the brambles it's got caught in or, you know, down some rut that it's got caught in. 
So this is a this is a a, a, a loving and caring discipline. Your rod and your staff they comfort me. You know when when you, when you feel the conviction of the Holy Spirit, that is not what you should be doing right now. You know when you feel that when you feel that, or, when, or when a brother or sister comes to you and says, "Look, don't be doing that. Get on with this," or or even you know, why aren't you coming? to the prayer meetings? Why aren't you coming to the gatherings together? Why, why are you off doing something else? You know, there's that, that's, that, that's that tap, isn't it? That's that, come on, get into the right place, be in the right place at the right time. Those things should bring comfort to us. Don't be rebellious and rise up and say, well, I can jolly well do what I want to do and how dare people tell me what to do. No, be a son, be a daughter. And be glad that your loving Heavenly Father cares enough to say, that's wrong, don't do that. And that's right, that's what you should be doing. Let's, you know, let's be comforted by the fact that uh, we have a, a Father who cares enough for us uh, to discipline us. And yes, so we should have that experience of being part of the flock. So you're part of the flock of God, kind of through all all the geographical limits worldwide, and all the temporal limits, okay? So you're, you're in the same flock as Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob that have long gone before you, and you'll be in the same flock as those that haven't yet arrived that will come after you. So we're, you know, there's one flock. But that's a little tricky to relate to. So the church, the local church, is really the flock where you can relate to. So your experience of being shepherded should be a, an experience of being part of a flock. So we've talked individually maybe about, you know, perhaps, those, perhaps the rod and the staff is an individual thing, um, and maybe, you know, restoring of the soul, perhaps that's an individual thing. But, you know, generally speaking, sheep are pastured together. So... You know, if you're thinking, well, I don't know what God's saying to me, let me ask you, well, what's God saying to the church at the moment? What's God saying to the church? What was the last sermon that was preached? What's the next one? See if you can remember this one. Because <laughs> that's how it works. It's, you know, it's done as a flock. You're shepherded together. So be part of that flock. Make sure you understand what's going on in one another's lives and recognize that, you know, we, we, with a very Western mindset, it's very easy for us to think very individually and then our involvement in community becomes a sort of optional extra that we, you know, we can bolt on when we've got time. That's not really massively biblical. Generally speaking, you're part of a family, you're part of a community. And, um, and to be part of that, you know, you're, you're, hearing, you're hearing the leading of God, you're... you're knowing the leading of God, the shepherding of God corporately together. So have an ear to that and be listening to that. If you say, I don't know what God's saying to me, well, what's God saying to the church? Because you know what? You're part of the church. So he's saying that to you. So be part of that. Make sure you're part of what's going on there. Um, just follow the flock. It doesn't all have to be individual. Okay. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You have anointed my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely, goodness and loving kindness will follow me all the days of my life. 
I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. A little bit tricky to follow that sheep analogy through these passages, but um, so you prepare a table before me. Well, look, there are different ways of looking at this, but I just kind of thought, well, what table does the Lord prepare for us? In my mind, there's only one table and it's got bread and wine on it. That's the table that the Lord prepares for us. And what's the cup? Well, there's just the one cup, isn't there? The cup that represents the blood of Jesus. So I think that's talking about the Lord's table. We, um, we were looking at Exodus um, a few weeks ago. We finished off our, our passage in Exodus. Exodus 24, where the old covenant, the first covenant, um, uh, is established. So that's Mount Sinai. Um, extraordinary passage where um, Moses takes 70 leaders from the people of Israel, um, from all the different tribes, and they go a little way up Mount Sinai and they meet with God. They see God, or at least they see his feet anyway, and this sapphire pavement that he stood on, and they eat and drink in his presence. And this is part of establishing that old covenant. So eating and drinking is part of a way in which covenants are established. So then when Jesus in the New Testament says, this is the new covenant that's established and he eats and drinks. Um, and of course, we mimic that now. You know, that's, that's, that's um, recognizing that new covenant that's established. So here we've got in the Old Testament an echo perhaps for the new covenant being established. My cup overflows. Well, so for me, that speaks of abundance in terms of salvation, that there's no shortage in terms of the blood of Jesus and its impact and availability. It's fully available to everyone, and for you, it overflows in your life. There's no shortage of forgiveness God's not going to run out of forgiveness for you. We don't get to a point where you're going to have to wait for those sins to be forgiven because actually the supply is a bit short. There's no sense of that. It is abundant. It is overflowing. It is more than sufficient. So it doesn't matter what trouble you get into. It doesn't matter what you've got to be delivered from. It doesn't matter, you know, what you think, you know, how much you think you've failed, there's more than sufficient to forgive you, to give you new life, to restore you. And think about that for anybody that you meet. It doesn't matter what trouble they're in. That is a message, isn't it, to get to them. It doesn't, you can't be in a pit that's too deep. You just can't. The grace of God is more than enough. Sin might abound, but grace abounds all the more. So that overflowing cup, you know, says to me, you know, there is oversufficiency in terms of salvation, in terms of forgiveness, in terms of cleansing, in terms of restoration. And it's provided, that abundance is provided first, you know, in the blood of Jesus. So yes, there's abundance elsewhere in your life. There's abundance for this and abundance for that. But you know, the first need that God has met, the most pressing need that God has met, that most eternal need that he's met, 
for your salvation. He has met in abundance an overflowing cup, an overflowing cup. So then, of course, he says, surely goodness and mercy will follow me. How about that? You don't have to go looking for that goodness and mercy. It's chasing after you. It's following you. Goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life. Just imagine that. You, wherever you're going, whatever you're doing, whatever happens to you, goodness and mercy is right there, chasing you down all the way. And then you've got that eternal security. I will dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life. So that's pretty good, being a sheep, hey? Not bad so far. Not bad. That's the Old Testament. All right. It gets better. It gets better. Okay, so let's go over to John chapter 10. Because in John chapter 10, we've got one of these I am statements from Jesus. And when Jesus says, I am, you know, the bread of life, for example, he's, he's, he's echoing the I am who I am, the I am statement from of the revelation of God as, as Yahweh, as Jehovah. So here, we've got a couple of them. So John chapter 10, let me just read this to you then. Um, Truly, truly, I say to you, he who does not enter by the door into the fold of the sheep, but climbs up some other way is a thief and a robber. But he who enters by the door is a shepherd of the sheep. To him the doorkeeper opens, and the sheep hear his voice, and he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he puts forth all his own, he goes ahead of them, and the sheep follow him because they know his voice. A stranger they simply will not follow, but will flee from him because they do not know the voice of a stranger. Dropping down to verse 7. Jesus said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. All who came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not hear them. I am the door. If anyone enters through me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. I came that they might have life and have it abundantly. Verse 11, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for his sheep. He who is a hired hand and not a shepherd, uh, who is not the owner of the sheep, sees the wolf coming and leaves the sheep and flees, and the wolf snatches them and scatters them. He flees because he is a hired hand and is not concerned about the sheep. I am the good shepherd, and I know my own, and my own know me, even as the Father knows me, and I know the Father, and I lay down my life for the sheep. Dropping down to verse 20. Six, but you do not believe me because you are not of, my, you're not of my sheep. My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. And I give eternal life to them, and they will never perish, and no one will snatch them out of my hand. My Father, who has given them to me, is greater than all, and no one is able to snatch them out of the Father's hand. So that's that whole classic image, really, of a Middle Eastern shepherd so um, so what Jesus is describing when he's talking about the sheepfold is you know something about the size of this room um, with a kind of think about it like a dry stone walling four or five foot going round with one gap in that wall that's the door and what the shepherd would do is to lie in that gap there 
So the shepherd becomes the door. So when he says, I am the door, uh, you know, you kind of think, you know, wooden door, you know, I don't know, several planks of wood with a latch and hinges and things like that. No, he's, he's talking about the door there for the sheepfold and the shepherd lying in that doorway to protect the sheep. So the sheep can't leave without stepping over him and no wolf can come in without stepping over him. So that's what he's describing when he's saying, this is how I protect my sheep. I lay down my life for the sheep. And he's also saying, you know, anybody who's a shepherd will come in and out through the door. Anybody that's climbing over the wall, well, they've got some other agenda, haven't they? But they're not a shepherd. So that's what he's describing. And then he says, I am the good shepherd. And he talks about how, again, you know, Middle Eastern style shepherding, the shepherd goes ahead and calls the sheep and the sheep follow. And why do they follow? Because they know his voice. And he says he calls them by name. Now look, that's talking about us. We, you know, you need to expect that kind of relationship with the Lord Jesus in your life. You should expect him to be calling you. He calls you by name because he knows you individually. Do you know his voice? He says, my sheep hear my voice. Do you know his voice? The sheep of a, the voice of another that I don't follow. You've got to know who you're following. You've got to be able to recognize his voice in those that you are following. That's, what, that's why it says, talking about you know, leaders and, and, and elders and stuff, it says, you know, consider them, the people that spoke the word of God to you first. This is in Hebrews. We'll get there. You know, we're preaching through Hebrews, aren't we? Those people that spoke the word of God to you those people that, you know, were an example to you, consider the outcome of their life. Where were they going? What are they doing with their lives? Do you want to be like them? So follow them. If you don't want to be like them, well, don't follow them. Where are they going? But you've got to know. Where are they going? What's their, what's their lifestyle? What's their life story? Are they teaching the word of God to you? And then it says, well, then submit to their leadership. So, you know, there's a sense of, uh, are you hearing the voice of God through them? And are you hearing the voice of God through you know, those around you, those that love you and serve you, are you hearing the voice of God in your own heart? So be part of that flock of God. Jesus says he lays down his life for the sheep. In, uh, in Matthew, you know, there's a, a passage where it says um, he was, Jesus was traveling through the towns and the villages and he's healing the sick and casting out demons and He's, and it says that he saw the people downcast and depressed like sheep without a shepherd. And then what does he say? He says to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Pray that God sends workers out into the field. So his shepherd heart is stirred for the lost and he sees them as sheep without a shepherd. How do you see folk today around you? People live in such massive confusion, huge confusion these days over identity, you know, gender identity, roles of men and women, even the existence of men and women. <laughs> you know, massive confusion over a whole generation growing up, not knowing who they are and what to do and what to believe in. Great confusion over economics, 
What should we do? Should we do things one way? Should we do things the other way? You know, it's all in the news now, isn't it? You know, well, people don't know what to do with their, their money and their finances. You, they're like sheep without a shepherd. They haven't got anybody to, to help them, to take them to these green pastures and quiet waters. No one to restore their soul. Everybody broken and looking and needing restoration. Like sheep without a shepherd, downcast, depressed. Jesus is stirred in his heart for such people and wishes to shepherd them. And we want to say to folk, come and be shepherded. Come and join the flock of God. Come and have that sense of security in your life, that sense of peace and tranquility. Live in the security of a shepherd who can provide for you and care for you. You know, this is, <laughs> what's to be lost? Luke 15 Jesus tells the parable of the shepherd who goes, who leaves the 99 and goes out for the one, the lost sheep. We have a shepherd who is an evangelizing shepherd, a pioneering shepherd, a shepherd who searches and looks for that which is lost, who wants to gather into his flock. Okay, we're going to finally get to Hebrews. You know, we're going through Hebrews now as a church together, one church together. We're, we're going through the book of Hebrews. I think you've got a taste of that. Well, you're going to get a bit more of it, aren't you? You're on next, aren't you, John? So I'm going to, nip, I'm going to skip to the end, all right? So um, whoever's going to pick up chapter 13, we're, <laughs> I'm nicking their, their preaching. Here we go. Let's, choose, let's go right to the end. Hebrews 13, um, verses 20. And 21. So this is the writer of the Hebrews signing off. This is what, uh, what they call technically the benediction. This is the blessing that sits at the end of this book. Now, the God of peace, who brought up from the dead the great shepherd of the sheep through the blood of the eternal covenant, even Jesus our Lord, equip you in every good thing to do his will, working in us that which is pleasing in his sight, through Jesus Christ, to whom be the glory forever and ever. Amen. Now, may the God of peace. So I want to just say to you, do you know the peace of God now? Do you know the peace of God today? Because it's not for some future occasion and it's not for you to remember how it was in the past. That peace is for today. Now, may the God of peace, now, make sure it's now, present day, have his peace reigning in your heart today. Who raised up the great shepherd of the sheep. So Jesus said, I am the good shepherd. I lay down my life for his sheep. Having laid down his life for his sheep, that's us. And having been raised again, he is raised as the great shepherd. So the good shepherd becomes the great shepherd of the sheep. How about that? You have a great shepherd. You have a good shepherd who has now become a great shepherd. A great shepherd raised from the dead. So when you say in Psalms, the Lord is my shepherd. And then we've got in John 10, Jesus is my good shepherd. Now we've got the risen Lord Jesus Christ is my great shepherd. My great shepherd. Through the blood of the eternal covenant. So this is the blood from that overflowing cup. Remember that. That overflowing cup that's set on the table before you. 
He has set that before you. Through the blood of the overflowing cup, now we talked about the old covenant being established through food and drink in the presence of God. Then we looked at the new covenant being established with bread and wine in the presence of Jesus. Now we've got an eternal covenant, all right? So the new, the old becomes the new and the new becomes the eternal through the blood of the eternal covenant. And then just in case you're not sure who that great shepherd is, he says it there, Jesus our Lord. So that's who we're talking about. Equip you for every good work to do his will. So the God of peace equips you. Okay, not, not, not the God of hassle and bustle and do this, do that, and we're never going to have enough time to get it all done. Not that God. A God of peace who says, uh, can you just, can you do that for me? If I give you this gifting, would you serve me in this way? The God of peace who comes to you in those green pastures and by those quiet waters and having restored your soul says, I've got something for you. Can you help me with this? Can you help me with that? That God equip you in every good work to do his will. So there's no room here to be self-centered and to linger in these green pastures and think, oh, I'm just going to get fat here eating the lovely grass. No, you're, you're being equipped when you're at those green pastures. You're being equipped when you're beside those still waters because your great shepherd has got work to do, work for you to do. There's a billion lost sheep out there. And he's after every one of them. And he's after workers to help him get them. Sheep to bring into the fold. People without shepherd, downcast, depressed, broken, hurting, confused. Let's be about his work. Let's be about the shepherd's work, the great shepherd's work. And you know what? Look here, this promise, as we do so. As we do so, he's working in us that which is pleasing in his sight. So as we're doing those works He's working in us. They're his works. He's working in us as we do, do those works. And they're pleasing in his sight. But there's also that about, no, he's working in us. So as we are about those works, he's about a work in us, changing us, transforming us, renewing us. So you don't ever want to think, don't ever think, don't ever say to yourself, I'm not ready, I need, to, I need to be more of this or more of that before I can, you know, do anything for God. Um, don't, don't think, um, you know, because it's in, it's in, don't think, oh, I've got to receive more and then I can start giving. I've got to be Filled with the Spirit more, and then I can start serving. No, because it, it's in the serving. It's in the giving that you receive. It's in the doing of the work that you're made adequate for the work. It's in giving away, it's in pouring out from yourself that you are filled. You, you know what it's like when, you, when you're involved in something, and afterwards... It's, you're full of the Spirit, aren't you? Afterwards, you think, oh, that was great, and God did this, and God, and it was super. Now you're full of the Spirit, yeah? So it's in, the, it's in the doing of it that we're made adequate. It's in the giving that we receive. It's in the pouring out of ourselves that we ourselves are filled, okay? 
Think about, well, I'm not going to do that, but <laughs> said enough. <laughs> There's another sermon there I was just about to launch into. I'm not going to do that. Right. And then, yes, we're finishing off. So we are finishing off then. To him be the glory forever and ever. Amen. So, Alice, do you want to come forward and Gordon? Yep, thanks, guys. So we're going to worship again now. Let's worship in the light of this revelation. Let's worship our shepherd God, Yahweh Ra'a, our shepherd God who, who is just full on to nourish and restore and refresh us, is full on to equip us for that evangelizing work that he is about doing. He is the great shepherd who wants to shepherd everyone and bring them into his fold. Um, and that is the work that we should be about. And you know what? If we're in his flock, that's what we'll be doing. And you know, where there's, you know, perhaps you've struggled and thought, oh, I'm not really hearing from God. You know, let me just give you that challenge and say, well, what, you know, what are you hearing? What's the flock doing? Be about what the flock's doing. Be in that place, you know, and be where the shepherd is. And, I, and for those that, you know, just in terms of peace and security, I really want you just to, to know the shepherding presence of God in your life and be so rested and so reassured and so strengthened in that. You know, let's let all anxiety really flee from us um, because we have a God who knows us through and through, calls us by name, cares for us, and quite frankly has got everything sorted and covered. We haven't got to worry about it. All right? Good. Thank you, Alice. Bye. Shall I say, shall I bid the congregation to stand, shall I ask? All day, May the congregation please stand.